everybody and welcome back to the landing on Lansdowne podcast we got probably one of the best episodes we've ever gonna have like well so far on this show uh we got some amazing news Devin you want to break the news to everybody Raphael Devers is staying in Boston that honestly I am so happy they finally did the right fucking thing for once oh my god like this entire offseason, yeah, it's been stressful, but we do have some very good pickups. But I am so thankful they finally signed Devers. Bro, that one that one fan that got his uh, sign confiscated at the Winter Classic, that worked. That worked. <laughs> he got it confiscated, and then John Henry saw it and was like, okay, now I got to do something about that. I can tell you that's not what happened. Oh, oh, really? Then what happened then? No. He had a little smirk on his face uh, when I met him. I'm not going to lie. When I said I was a Red Sox fan. Oh, yeah. Okay. So tell everyone what the fuck happened. At... So you went to the Winter Classic, which is fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. I met uh, John Henry. And... Which is absolutely insane. Well, when I was a Red Sox fan, I shook his hand. He got a little smirk on his face like something was coming. Well, okay. Something something was coming, obviously. I mean, I'm pissed off you didn't yell at him about the other things. But, hey, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. But that is, dude, that's awesome. I'm so you feel franchise history too. Eleven years, three thirty-one. And you know what? Like, I think it's honestly, I think it's the best candidate because he's still so young, he's so talented, and what he does to Garrett Cole every year, I get just fucking chills thinking about it. Because fuck Garrett Cole, fuck the Yankees, and I love Devers. Let's go! Oh, finally, God, I've been waiting. His defense improves every year, and the bat's not going to slow down. I mean, he has, like, elite, elite bat-to-ball skills, and he just also happens to have, like, insane power to go with it. So it's like – and his game's not solely, like, dependent on where he plays on a diamond or, like, his defense, where he could always move the first and he could always DH or something like that. Dude, it's I like- don't understand why people, like, think Devers is a bad defender. Like, whenever I watch, he looks great. He makes these diving plays and – yeah, I mean, he he's really good at the extra, like, the non-routine plays. It's just the routine plays, like, he needs to get a little better at. But, you know, I mean, can't anyone's ever going to be 100% the dude rakes. So, I'm not – who cares about his defense, honestly? And the most important thing is, is he's young. Like, he's got so much time. It's not like – okay, you know what? I'm. You said to make this a positive episode. I am going to bring up the bad news, though. I'm going to bring up – Bogart signing with San Diego, which obviously sucks. But you're not going to pay Bogarts until he's 41, right? That's a contract. That's where it gets like a little dumb. Yeah, you could have went back. And like if you did it earlier, it wouldn't have been that expensive. Yada, yada, yada. You can go back and forth that all day long. But at the end of the day, this contract is so perfect because he's a young star. He's got so much time. And you finally lock down someone. That's literally going to retire in a Red Sox jersey. And hopefully, what number is he, 11? Yeah, 11. Hopefully, 11 will be put up next to 34, right right behind the pesky pole. Because I would love to see that. I mean, David Ortiz was one thing, and I think Raphael Devers is like the next David Ortiz. Because even when he's older, you could just slot him in DH and have his bat forever. Exactly. They're not locked up long-term at DH, which is why I like the Turner move too, because – what you got him for two years? Okay, Devers is ain't moving off third base at twenty eight years old. Yeah, I mean, dude, we honestly might be the only positive Red Sox podcast right now, but like, 
I after after locking up Devers, when I saw yesterday, he got the one year arbitration thing, right? I was like, okay, yeah. okay, one year, he's gonna leave. Then no, today, but- seeing this eleven year thing, like put me on the moon, bro. I feel. <laughs> When they avoided arbitration yesterday, that's always a good thing. And it's always a positive when you're trying to negotiate an extension, because if they go to arbitration, the team has to basically put together an argument of why that player sucks. Does the player go to those arbitration meetings? Usually the agent does. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I fucking wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So the team lays out why you're not worth the money you're asking. And then you have to lay out the, why you're worth the money you're asking. So it becomes like a feelings do you get hurt? So yeah, the yeah. fact that they avoided arbitration yesterday was a very positive sign. And then it got leaked on Twitter. And then next to me, know Jeff, pa- Jeff Passan's tweeting about it and Bob Nightingale and Ken Rosenthal. Yeah. But uh, this Red Sox lineup, you look at it person to person. It's really not that bad. Yeah. It's, we- not, it's not that bad, but I think the reason why everyone's so pissed off right now is because they see the lineup that they did have. Yeah, but also at the same time, Red Sox had zero production out of first base last year, and now we have a first base with, with Tristan. The bullpen was god-awful. We got two high-leverage high relievers. Which is added, awesome. Yeah, we lose Eovaldi and Waka. Waka's not officially gone, and Hill, but we bring in Kluber, who knows how to pitch. He had a better year than Nate did last year. You can count – I mean – they're making room for Bayo, Sale, Paxton, and Whitlock, and Hauk to step in too. I mean, there is it's a lot of what ifs, but if everything happens to click, you add a couple more pieces. I mean, we're only halfway through the off season. Yeah, it is hard. It's like after the winter meetings, you think everything kind of just like happens then, but now it's like we got so much more time. The trade market hasn't even like like there's been what like three or four trades like. The big one was Sean Murphy to Atlanta and Dalton Versho to Toronto. Those are the only two big trades that have happened. They're both catchers, right? Dalton Versho is a catcher center fielder. Very oh, weird profile, that but is a weird profile. He's, he's really good. What do you and, think the Red Sox are going to do with catcher this year? I think it's taken with. Um, I have zero problem. Jacks off a lot. I have zero problem with McGuire Wong. That I think they're good enough to. I think it's good enough tandem. I mean. I the pitchers loved Wong last year. Whenever they were in a like crunch, it was Wong that would come up to catch uh Eovaldi. They liked him. Obviously, Reese McGuire's excellent back there too. He hit a little bit last year also. So I don't think catcher I wouldn't worry about catcher. First base, Tristan's gotta have a good year. Second I feel like you're putting like a lot of pressure on him though. I, I like kind of just going all in on Tristan Cassis. I, I like that. Yeah, I really, I really do like that. They're showing like faith in him and everything, but it's a lot of pressure. It's his team to screw up. It really is. But did we do that with Dahlback last year? But there was also more question marks. Like who? Like well, the story contract, which last year I think I think ninety games last year. I yeah, do. I was gonna say I think the story last year is kind of a wash, just because he got hurt, which sucks. I agree. And it when was he was awesome. out there, he looked good. He made a difference. Yeah, he. it was all freak stuff where he's getting hit in the hand with pitches. It's not like he's running the first and pulling hamstrings. It's he, He's getting hit by pitches, and it's weird stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. like, same thing with Arroyo. Arroyo, like, he could be laying in bed, and someone's going to, like, break into his house and do something. Like, it's crazy. Break his ribs. Break it in his house, yeah. break his ribs. 
Like, so I, I don't think Story, Arro- like, as what it is right now, it's Story Arroyo up the middle. I don't think that's sustainable. I think they're going to have to add another piece there. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to start it's off. It's definitely with. not horrible. I don't know why people are like, oh, you can't have Story at shortstop. Like, I think that was a whole... His arm sucks and they take the sh- they're taking the shift away. But he was a shortstop. It's not like he hasn't played shortstop in a big league. Yeah, and he wasn't bad at, by any means. Yeah, I... I I think if there's one guy I think the Red Sox should go out and get, it's Nick Ahmed. I think that's how you say his name, Ahmed from uh, Diamondbacks. I have def- I do not know anything about him. He's the only Olympic. the only thing I know about the Diamondbacks is Geraldo Perdomo. That's the only guy that I know on the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think if they could add a guy like that or like an Orlando Arcia, but I don't see them making that move just because like now you got. You're so corner heavy with uh Turner, Devers, uh Tristan, and then the outfield is all corner guys too with Yoshida, Verdugo, and they're gonna have to bring in another outfield. Like, do they have... I'm well Kike, Kike. Yeah, he's their center fielder though. Like he's not moving up. They can't move him up center. No, they're not. They're not going to. You see that uh you see that one TikTok that uh him and uh Marshan did? Oh, dude, that was so funny. The bra thing or whatever. That was hilarious. Dude. I didn't realize it was Kike. And the, the, the fact that they came out with their Red Sox uniforms was so sick. That thing, I'm so jealous of you, dude, because I watched it on TV. It was so well put together. Dude, it was insane. Well, how it, yeah, how was it being there? Well, first of all, it was a lot colder than what the temperature said. Really? Oh, the wind? Wind, yeah. Dude, trust me. I I, I know. Dude, it was sick. Like, nothing. Like at first, it was kind of like, "Oh, this is really cool." Like before the game, like they had the orchestra playing. They had a flyover, which was yeah. sick. Yeah, flyover. Was sick. And then the game started and kind of slow the first period. And then they and then the Penguins scored John Henry's team, I, which is so weird, dude. It was dude. so funny. And then was uh, he happy, and everyone else was just like her. Uh, I we uh went up there after. They scored. It was one nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then he like walked out a little bit after that. But um, yeah, and then the Bruins came back. That must have been crazy. That third period, dude. It was insane. I can't imagine. It's it's kind of funny because like on TV, it doesn't sound that loud because the ice is a lot farther away from the fans than like a baseball game would be or like an actual hockey game, so it doesn't sound as loud. But how fucking loud was it? Well, it was pretty funny because I don't know what they had mic'd up, whether there was a mic on the goals or the like glass or whatever, but you could hear every word the, the guys were saying on the ice. Every word. Huh. Which was hilarious if you, you're around a little kid. Why? They just said, fuck you and all that. Literally, yeah. <laughs> they definitely no. had a mic or something. They had to. I think, I think the mics were on the goals or like something. It was so funny, though. And, like, it was cool because, like, there were so many spe- – so they put, like, more speakers than usual all around the field. And yeah. then, obviously, like, the Fenway speakers. So it was loud in there. And then they would score, and the place was rocking like a playoff game for the Red Sox. That's so sick. Dude. I would say the atmosphere compared to the wild card game when they beat the Yankees. That was what the atmosphere was like. Wow. And the crazy thing is, it's just a fucking regular season game in the NHL. I know. It was so cool, though. It's just outside. Damn, I wish. I wish. If I was if I was in Boston, I definitely would have went. But like oh, yeah. 
I'm not going to fly were, back for one day. Yeah, we, like, walked down to Fenway, and we're walking there, and we're, like, oh, no, good, like, half a mile away. And in the streets are just jam-packed. Like, you're pushing through a crowd. Oh, my like, God. Like, half a mile away to get there. No way. Yeah. It was, like, the craziest thing ever. That... It, was like a, it was, like, a playoff game at Fenway. That's well, dude. What you're describing, it sounds like a little more than a playoff game at Fenway. I I would say it was Red Sox Yankees wild card game atmosphere. That's so sick. That's so sick. All the video, like they did an amazing job with that. Like I don't think I've ever seen any event put on like better. Honestly. Yeah, it was it was unbelievably done. Yeah, especially the Bruins won, which was a good thing. Because at the end, were you like ah? Because um. It the fucking the last the last play went through um old Mark's legs and oh, yeah. the buzzer went off before. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, I know. All right. What else we got? I mean, obviously the Red Sox, as everyone knows, signed Justin Turner, Chris Martin, Kenley Jansen, and uh Yoshi. Yoshi. We were we no. were on for a Yoshi one. Um I don't think sure. we haven't we haven't talked about uh the shortstop. Uh, no, I'm, we're staying positive it's a positive positive podcast we're gonna um, be even more positive because coming up pretty soon we got a very good interview with one of our boys nate tellier who is in the uh red sox organization right now he was a d3 ball player at umass dartmouth and now he's with the red sox and he's a boston boy too so we talk about his story and everything so make sure you stay tuned for that i mean do we got anything else? We can just get straight into that, right? Yeah, let's get right into it. All right, sweet. So uh, we'll catch you guys after the interview. Thanks. All right, what up, everyone? Welcome back to Landing and Lansdowne. We're here with our boy, Nate Tellier, part of the Boston Red Sox organization. Nate, how you doing, man? Good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. So Rob, Rob Perillo, one of my coaches, he played with Nate back at UMass Dartmouth. Um, he told me you're in Puerto Rico right now. Or were you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I got back uh, about a week ago uh, for the holiday season. How was that? How was that experience playing in Puerto Rico? It was a lot of fun. There's a yeah. bunch of um, big leaguers, ex big leaguers, AAA yeah. guys, AAA guys, all types of guys. So it's a really good competition down there. I was really excited to go down yeah. and uh, get a taste of it. All right. So just I want to know about your like trip to where you're at because i know you're d3 to the big leagues which is a huge process but how did that all start like starting from high school when did you know like you had this inside you to make it the big leagues i didn't really uh so i mean i was a shortstop in high school and i always wanted to play shortstop when i got to uh college um i didn't want to pitch i just wanted to play the field and stuff yeah. like that and then um, we had a really good shortstop uh eric ramirez but we needed a center fielder to uh, fill center field so they converted me so I played center field for four years yeah. I would go in and pitch here and there but um it wasn't until my junior year summer where uh my summer league coach wouldn't let me wouldn't let me uh hit and wanted me to focus on pitching because he thought I had a real shot at it so um that summer I hit 95 and I was like oh yeah no, that's, uh, I have a choice I have a, I have a chance here so from there on, uh, I just focused everything on just throwing as hard as I could. Not really, not really location wise, which um, I learned later on. But it was just throwing as hard as I could. And then uh, a year later, I was in COVID year. I was in um the Brockton Rocks with the SEO. Yeah. 
Okay. And yeah, yeah. Uh, did decent. And then um, Ray Fagnan, the scout, the New England scout for the Red Sox, uh, asked me to come. Um, actually, no, it was Matt Hyde from the Yankees. He asked me to come to the scout game at the end of the year in September. Um, so I went, I pitched, I hit 98 that game. And Man. we were playing the Red Sox scout team, um, which Ray Fagnan was coaching. So he DM'd me that night. Um, and he said, Hey, uh, any chance we can get on a phone call? So of course I was all for it. So we went on a phone call and he's like, this might be jumping the gun, but would you want to be part of the Red Sox? And no I was way. like, I was like, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, a couple of days later, uh, he was like, Oh, I'm in the area. Do you mind if I stop by? So I thought we were just going to, he's just going to stop by, talk about stuff. So we went in my backyard, we talked and then, 20 minutes into it, he hands me a contract. He's like, hey, uh, I have a contract with your name on it if you want to <laughs> sign and be part of the Red Sox. So I was like, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding no me? No way, bro. That's, That's insane. Awesome. Yeah, that was, uh, it, was, it all happened really quick. So I was very blessed for that to happen. But um, it took a lot of work. And once I – so when I got signed, I, I didn't know how to throw a strike or nothing So because I, I was just focusing on um, throwing as hard as I could to get yeah. seen. So when I got there. Had a little trouble, but they they taught me how to throw strikes, so that was uh that was good. So yeah, yeah. You're from Boston, right? Yeah, yeah. From uh, well, about thirty minutes outside of Boston. But, Did yeah. you grow up a Red Sox fan? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, so that's full circle. That's awesome. Yeah. So, like, when kind of backtracking a little bit, playing on that Yankee scout team and getting signed by the Red Sox was that like just super funny to you or? <laughs> Yeah, so I was uh, I was talking to Matt Hyde for a couple months. Um, I made the uh, the top prospect D three thing that Perfect Game puts out, or I forget which organization puts it out, but uh, I made like the top uh, four in D three. So he contacted me from that, and from there he was just talking to me for a couple months, and then I had a decent summer in uh, the FCL. So he called and said, oh, "Come on down to the scout game." Um, and I had the Yankees uniform on and everything, so I was like, "Oh, this is this is uh this is kind of cool." Um, but yeah, I I pitched the last inning against them, and um, it was just surreal when he contacted me because I thought I was like, "Ah, I'll go, I'll go there and give it a shot, see what happens." Um, so when he contacted me, he was actually interested. It was really uh, it was surreal. So. That's awesome. And as you probably know, the Red Sox love taking guys from the Yankees. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Every year in the minor league rule five draft. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What's you like, if you had one thing of advice, what would it be just to tell younger players? Just get, um, excuse me, uh, just get a, get a lifting partner, get someone to grind with you. Um, when in college I had, Baker, uh, Mitch Baker and um, Robbie Carrillo, of course, you know, Rob um, and Mike. Now we just we had um, we had this group that went to the gym every day. And if you didn't go to the gym, like you would feel bad by missing that. So just like every day you need someone to push you, even when you're not feeling it, just to get in the gym, get to the field, just put in the work um, and eat as much as possible. Yeah. Your diet, your your diet is the biggest part of it. My biggest jump in velo was just from eating beef and rice three times a day, going to the gym 
four to five times a week and just lung toss. That was the biggest thing I can, um, if I were to tell someone as a freshman starting out, just eat, throw long toss and lift. That's awesome. Uh, like what's your typical day in the life of a minor league player, like in season or off season? Um, so in season, we, I usually wake up around 10 or 11, um, get some breakfast. Uh, maybe uh, I like going outside meditating or like just watching a TV show, something relaxing in the morning. Um, and then get to the field around one where they usually have lunch for us. And then you go, you stretch, um, on your own, you do a lift and then, um, we are outside by two thirty, throwing and then you throw, you do your conditioning. Um, you can do some drills if you want. And then back inside for like half an hour to chill. And then you got to go shag BP. And then after that, you're. You come back in and you got like an hour before the game where you get something to eat. Um, we got like a snack bar or like a smoothie station and stuff like that. And then our game's around seven. We got to get out there at 645. We watch the starter warm up. Um, and then from there on, just, you know, the anthem, whatever, the game lasts until like 1030. You uh, come back, come back in the locker room, you eat, uh, you shower, you go back. Some of us might go get food, more food after if uh, the meal wasn't filling enough. Um, and then, yeah, you get back around your house around 11 and then start the day over in the morning. Um, did uh, did you and Cassis work on uh, meditating together? <laughs> no, but he's, he's a he's a really nice dude. Nesson <laughs> did him wrong on his first day. They shouldn't have, that was shouldn't so have videotaped funny. that on his first day. But yeah, <laughs> well, he's, he's from here. He's from where we were at. So yeah. we played against him all the time in high oh, school really? and everything. Yeah. Really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny yeah, story. He's... Like uh, the high school that he went to, like I was going to go there and they, no one believes me when I say this story because where I'm at now and where he's at now. And like, yeah. I'll call the coach at hundred percent true, but I don't believe it myself, but they're waiting on my answer to see if they would bring him in for first really? base and i think it's a complete lie like i called him the other day because i was actually out with, i was on a date and i try to be cool and i call him i'm like yo evan yo is that trista castle thing true and he was like yeah we were actually waiting for your answer before his and i was like fuck yeah so, <laughs> it was hilarious but yeah no he's he's from he's from here we've seen him all the time yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a really nice dude i got to get to know him when he was rehabbing in my first year so uh, yeah yeah, he's a really nice guy. So what's the fa most favorite ballpark you've played in so far? Favorite ballpark. Um, the Brave Spring Training Facility is pretty nice. Um, I like uh, the Fredericksburg Nationals, um, the low-A team for the Nationals. They're, okay. The stadium's unbelievable. It's new. It usually sells out every night. It's just a really great atmosphere to play in. Um, uh, the the Braves low A team. I forget what city they're in, but they're is also, that Rome Braves, right? I, that I think that's high A. I think that's high, high A. Rome Braves. Like, Gwinnett uh, could be. I don't maybe. know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, their uh, their their team is. I mean, their field is wicked nice. It's kind of the same vibe as the Fred Nats, but. It has a, a really high center field and, like, left field 
is a hotel and it's just it's a really nice vibe um but for sure i mean the goal is always to play in the best ballpark in the yeah. world you know fenway you know definitely um, definitely yeah what's like do you have any like future goals outside of making it to the big leagues obviously um no i mean I don't. I don't really know what I want to do after. I was. I was thinking it's baseball as long as I can. And then uh, I was thinking college coach. I was thinking I have a degree in biology, so going back to school for like PA or like med school or stuff like that, um, or just I don't know whatever yeah. whatever comes about, you know. Yeah. Did uh? Do you have like eight degrees because the COVID year and the extra <laughs> years of eligibility, like Carrillo does, or like I'm gonna have, bro. I'm gonna go get a marketing degree and. I don't even or a master's degree and I don't even know yet, but just because of COVID. I was gonna. So right before I signed, I took uh I, I was on for a fifth year. I was gonna get my master's in like business or something like that. Um and I I also got my EMT certification. So um I was right about to take the written. So I took the full class, which is like two thousand bucks or something like that. And then um I took the physical and then I was about to take the written, but then I signed. So I was like, yeah, it's no point now, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like two thousand bucks down the road, uh, down the drain. Down um, drain, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was gonna be an EMT during my master's and uh, do my master's and then go to PA school afterwards. Uh, that was the plan, but that all got sidetracked. Gratefully, sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. sidetracked. Yeah, my cousin's actually EMT in uh, London, there, New Hampshire. Oh, really? Yeah, really yeah. Good. So. He actually worked on Christmas, which was pretty cool. And then after they had like a whole lobster dinner, which was sick for him. Oh, really? But, that's um, awesome. Yeah. But dude, tell me more about like being an, a D three athlete and now like where you're at. Like what what were the struggles you had at D three and like how are they better or honestly maybe even worse now? So you know, like you know D three, we don't like we don't get the D one treatment. We have to pay for our clothes, now. we get yeah. the, the bus rides aren't great. So yeah. A bunch of my buddies came from big D1 schools and they were complaining about like the treatment in the minor leagues and stuff like that and how they were getting treated a lot better at D1 and all that. And I'm just here being thankful. I'm like, this is, this is like D1 this treatment. Is like, yeah. awesome. like we get, we get our stuff um, washed and put in our lockers. We get our shoes cleaned. We get uh, free food. We get transportation, housing and all that um so yeah i can't and your d1 boys are complaining about that they so the the high d1 schools like alabama and um like auburn they get they get start stud treatment um they get all they tell you like a story that what they got compared to them yeah so they get like they got like eight pairs of shoes or cleats every year they got all yeah um like 10 pairs of shorts 10 pairs of shirts um they we have to pay for everything yeah, right? I'm, yeah. I'm here. I'm like, I'm paying like yeah. 50 bucks for a shirt. <laughs> I know, dude. Oh my God. Please don't mind me. Can't wait to go back. <laughs> All right. Well, last question here. Uh, is there any baseball experiences that you haven't experienced yet, but really want to? Oh. Um, I want to pitch in front of a huge home crowd like in puerto rico i uh yeah. our home our home crowd was insane it's they are diehard fans they're 
if you're winning, they'll cheer. They'll, you'll, they'll be your best friends. If you're losing, they'll be your worst enemy, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of want to experience that, but with the Red Sox. That'd be Sweet. awesome. Yeah. All right, Dad, you got anything else, man? Uh, while you were gone, we <laughs> we covered all the bases, covered everything. All right, sweet. Well, thanks, Nate, dude. I really appreciate you coming on, man. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Rob tells me you're seeing him later, so tell him I said what's up. All right, for sure. I will. Right. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you. I appreciate you, everyone. You too. Bye.